Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It's been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on, and it can lead to a serious case of not knowing what to play next. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast. It's to talk to my guests about the games that we enjoy playing, to talk about big industry events, and to talk to the people who create these games. Now, friends, I apologize for the audio quality of the last couple of weeks. My wife has been traveling in the United Kingdom, uh, and the house has been a construction site, and the young dog cannot be in the studio, so I've had to rig up uh, some equipment to get things going, and it is so nice to be back sitting in the proper chair with the proper mic, with the proper soundboard to bring you tonight's episode. And if we are going to have the grand return to proper sound quality on this podcast, we have to bring on a high quality guest. The man joining me tonight is the TO of my favorite new format of bolt action event. I absolutely adore it. We've talked about it on this show a little bit in the last 12 months. Part two has run recently with some exciting new adaptations and expansions. And so we're going to get stuck into that. But of course, I am talking about my brother from another mother, my man from Scotland, the Golden's D6 crew member, Alistair Unicom. Welcome back to Cast Dice. How you doing, brother? Brad, love your intros, mate. And what I found is... You don't pre-record your intro when you're, you know, the games that we love and missing out. You record that live every time. That just blows my mind. Is that a script? Do you have a script or is that all from memory now? From memory. I never wrote it oh. down once. Jeez, oh. Good on you, mate. Brad, so good to be back on Cast Dice. And as you said, you and others around the world have um, been looking on at the, the Megatron 3000 bolt action event that I ran mm-hmm. in Scotland recently and with the, the pack and concept that I developed here. Um, so we're going to talk about that, how it's ran. And it. also, this was the first year where my the big vision for the event got to start for me, which was the the Megatron Cup. To make the this Megatron is, Cup... Yeah. This to is make really Mega, Yeah. To make the Megatron Cup happen, the next event was on the Sunday. So it was bowl action on Saturday. And then the Megatron Mega Bowl Blood Bowl event was on Sunday. So there was two different events, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. And they both stand by themselves as separate events. But for any player that wanted to t- participate in both, they then competed for the overall Megatron Cup. Let's take a quick step back because Megatron 3000 ran last year. And you had a large number of players for an inaugural event. It was a different take on how to prepare for an event. For the Megatron format, if you have not listened to any of the prior episodes where we've talked about this before, you must take, when you are building your army list, one of the theater selectors from the campaign or theater books. They cannot be any of the generic reinforced platoons that you see at a lot of events. And you cannot use any of the theater selectors from the armies of books. So it really does cut out a large number of the lists that you would see at a lot of different events. 
Now you do this for several reasons. I'll let you explain that in a second. But the real innovation on top of that is that only one person can have each one of those selectors at a given time. So if you want the U.S. selector Bloody Gulch, so you can take multiple Shermans, you can get that if you get in early enough. And when you buy your ticket, you need to say what selector you're using, and then it is held for you. Now, if later you get a bee in your bonnet and you say, you know what, I really want to take something else, you can change it. But you need to pay a nominal admin fee. And of course, that money then goes towards the prize pool for later at the event. Last year, you were very successful with this to the point where Jordan Wiebe in the U in the US and I in Melbourne, Australia have both run Megatron format events or Megatron-ish events in the last 12 months since this time. But the big daddy was back, the big kahuna, number two. And as you said, you combined it with another game system over the course of a weekend. Bolt action on Saturday, Blood Bowl on Sunday. Now, of course, this ties to the interests of your podcast, Two yes. Guys in a Dice Cup, which is largely Blood Bowl, but with a heavy undercurrent of bolt action. What led you to go from the Megatron format for bolt action to this gaming uh, weekend where you take two great tastes that not quite sure they taste great together until we jam them together. <laughs> How did that come to be? Purely my own head, Brad. There was no magic. In the magic inspiration happened for the Megatron 3000 bolt action player pack. And I remember way back, there was a big discussion about what's the point of campaign books. And nobody ever used them other than to sort of cherry pick out, you know, new units to drop into your generic reinforced platoons. So I leaned heavily into that. It's like, well, if nobody's going to use them, I am going to be using only them. And what that gave, but what that produced was the Megatron 3000 player pack. And as you said, the first year it ran, um, I think I landed around 26 or 28 players, uh, which was good for a first first event. And I needed I needed to run that just to just to ground, sorry, to give ground into the the pack to see if it worked. I had no idea if it would work or if it would be accepted. And to get my that date established in the in the local calendar for for wargaming in Scotland. It was always my vision to include a Blood Bowl event um, from the get-go, but I needed to do Bolt Action first. Um, I hadn't TO'd. I don't think I'd actually ever TO'd a Bolt Action event at that point, um, but I had TO'd, obviously, other Wargaming events, so it wasn't a new skill, and I TO'd lots of Blood Bowl events, um, you know, especially up in Aberdeen, where we, myself and Mike Rushby initially, and... Um, my co-host Phil Cairns from Two Guys One Dice Cup podcast. Uh, we established the Granite Bowl Blood Bowl event, which um, I think it's in its fifth year running um, this year. So, so it was always there, but I knew that I could do Blood Bowl. What I didn't know was, can I do a, a good bowl action event? And it turns out that I did. So when the clock came around for Megatron Three Thousand Year Two, uh, 46 players which was the capacity for the venue um they all showed up brad it was an absolute absolute mind-blowing event it's that that first initial when you know when you're doing registration you've got the laptop and the phone out and you're you know ticking people off shaking hands mm -hmm. give, giving out welcome bags 
listening to jokes about you know how their travel was and if they're excited or how they're painting. You know all the dumb stories that players try and tell you. Oh yeah. When it when it got to forty five players registered, and I knew who player number forty six was, and I knew he was in the car, I knew he was traveling, and I was just looking out at this sea of people. It's like, I, it was unreal. I was I was extremely proud of the player base for doing it. It was good. That's awesome because. I mean, with both Jordan event and my event and even your event last year, I mean, we're still coming out of the the post-COVID gaming world. And I've played in a number of events for a number of game systems at this point. And there are, are a lot of dropouts at the moment. People sign up, people paint armies, and then life happens. You know, people yeah. get sick, a family member gets sick, something else happens. And the dropout rate for events is really high at the moment. And it will... It, has been i can't remember how many dropouts there were last year for bolt action um i know that i know that we were maybe around 32 or 34 players and we ended up with 26 so there was there was a good number um and for this year for the megatron 3000 uh, tickets went on sale in october so there was a big sort of 10 month run up and that was done on purpose so that players could lock in their selectors early paint new armies and get excited about it so between October and two nights before the event, there were 17 dropouts. Um, Ouch. Yeah. But obviously, they all got replaced. There yeah. was other players that were waiting in the wings. Uh, and one, one habit that I have now very much ground in for myself and for the community is the, the concept of the golden ticket. So there's, there's always a crossing point where there are no refunds that can be given. Um, you know, once you've paid your venue, you've paid your, some fees. I I don't have the money anymore as the TO. So exactly. if if a player cancels, I will tell them that they can they can give their ticket to another player, and they can deal with the money. I don't resell. I am not going to resell a ticket. That's not what I do. Uh, they can do all that behind the scenes and just I'll swap the name and get on with it. Or if they say, look, Al, it's done, I will go on social media and say, golden ticket available, you know, come and claim it. And uh, there's no no money exchanges hands. And I only had to do two golden tickets this year, and they both went within 15 minutes when they were announced. That's awesome. It was really cool. That is cool. And it gives people chances to play. Now, bolt action events aren't the most expensive things in the world compared to God. I was looking at some 40 K event prices. Recently. Oh yeah. It's mad. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. You know, if somebody's having a tough time or if that's going to get them over the line to get them in, you know, why not have a golden yeah. ticket, right? Help I think out. for, for players that played both days. So the Saturday, Sunday, three games of blood bowl, three games of bowl action lunch on both days, Welcome gift bag on both days. Bolt action prize table, so everybody walked away with something. So I met the the gold standard for that, and we'll we'll talk about the sponsors for that. Uh, I think the total ticket price over both days was thirty eight pounds fifty. That's amazing, that's, brother. That's six games, so it was a tight budget. But our venue was, you know, they were they were good with their pricing. They've made their money, and they, the venue is Common Ground Games in Sterling. Um, and they were our host again, and they will be our host again next year when we do both days again. 
So now tell us pick- about Common Ground because I know that you were really impressed with them last year. Yep. And having spoken to you off air, I know that again you love their work. Yeah, he's um, oh, they've they've even changed their lunches. So there's an external caterer that that deals with lunches once your 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 numbers get past a certain size. So it was um, you know, on the bolt action guys, they got a big sort of sandwich buffet with hot sausage rolls and satay chicken skewers and you know a can of soft drink included. Then on the Sunday, <laughs> Sunday was great. I had to do this announcement because it was fresh made pizzas. They were really good quality pizzas. Not not your sort of um, Domino's Pizza Hut mass produced stuff, but like nice little local um, mm-hmm. good quality place. And so I had to stand up and help everybody. It's like, right, it's one pizza between two. Find a pizza buddy. You've got to have your pizza buddy to get your pizza. One pizza between two. One man goes for the pizza. The other man goes for the soft drink. Team up, your pizza buddies, and everyone's just like, "Okay, I'll I'll do that." <laughs> oh, it's so good, mate. Yeah, I'm getting but... flashbacks to uh, Enemy at the Gate. One man gets a rifle, one man gets the ammunition. That's, that's the inspiration. That's what I was yeah. channeling. You know, the other but... thing I was channeling at that point was um, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Two men enter, one man leave, one man get exactly. pizza, uh, <laughs> one man but... gets soda. That's it. Yeah. Go, go, go. Well, say so you had 46 players for bolt action, 44 players for yes. Blood Bowl. Yes. And I do want to ask you about the Blood Bowl player pack, but yes, I please. do want to point out that between those two events, there was actually sort of a mini event where the players that played in both were actually competing using different scoring criteria than the players of the other days because they were competing for the overall Megatron Cup. Yes. Is that so- right? Yep. So the Megatron Cup is the overarching event. Now, if players only wanted to play on one day, they can just completely ignore the Megatron Cup chat. It's it's not going to impact your day at all. It doesn't matter. But if there are players that wanted to take part in both, there was a special award trophy that, that they competed for. So there was a separate scoring system that was simple, and it was only based upon where they finished versus the other um players i called them the megatroners and they got megatron mega points nice. just it's dumb stuff and i loved it, Love uh, it. and it turned out that there were eight of them and i dubbed them the hateful eight because i just mm-hmm. it was just again more fun uh so those eight players they had their own separate scoring uh on the side for both days uh, and yeah the, the megatron cup was a a big statue of Megatron painted in gold on a plinth. And mm-hmm. I got some special gold dice made up. And uh, and that, that Megatron cup, I'm sure I'll share a picture of it to your, your social media so you can share it with yeah. your audience. Uh, I also had a separate trophy made up for them. So at some point, they'll have to hand back the Megatron cup. Uh, oh. next year. So it's a perpetual it's a legacy thing. trophy. Yeah, a legacy trophy, yeah. But they yeah. had this um, another little trophy with a Decepticon badge, and it uh, it's got like LEDs in it, and it lights up, changes color, and that was made by my trophy company that I deal with them called Demonscape, mm-hmm. uh, who's run by a gentleman called Terry Miller, based up the north of Scotland in Elgin, I believe. Right on. That oh man, I I do love a trophy that lights up. I got to yep. say it. It's badass. 
Yeah, so, right on. So the Megatron Cup was always the vision, and this was its first year of running. And as as you said previously, Brad, bolt action and blood bowl. Do they go together? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know, but but they are the two games that I'm passionate about the most in the past ten years. Uh, you know, the the time I spent playing Blood Bowl in Scotland and local leagues, uh, you know, gaining my place on the Scottish international Blood Bowl team for a couple of years. Um, our our good friend David Miller, who we've we've spoken about in the past, who mm-hmm. who passed away um, just over a year ago. Uh, Blood Bowl was his passion. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to do something with that game, and um, so look, I think I marketed it quite well that I actually got eight players, and I know, I know for a fact that there were Blood Bowl players in Scotland that picked up Bolt Action and went, okay, we're we're on, we're with you, and um, Jamie Campbell was one of them, Gordon Ennis was another. And there was another player called Mark McNaughton who, who wimped out at the last minute. No. Uh, he was he, he actually attended a, a couple of bolt action events, did the research, but he's he's got a really strong passion for Warhammer Forty Thousand, so he mm-hmm. redirected all these all these um, energies to that. But he still plays Blood Bowl, so he still turned up for the Blood Bowl day on the Sunday. But yeah, I, I don't know if you can say wimped out then, but yeah. Oh, he wimped out for the big two day event. He, he could have been a champion, but just another loser, Mark. Just oh. another loser. <laughs> Big talk. I love you, Mark. It's all right. It's Don't, okay. edit it Don't edit it out. Don't edit it out. You'll love that. <laughs> well, I, I do want to take a quick second. Now, you have mentioned our friend Dave. Um, yes. Big Dave, who has passed. Now, when you've been on in the past, I have introduced you as a member of the Golden D6. And when I first moved to Melbourne, the Golden D6 was a very small game club that met at our other friend Dave's house. And we played a lot. We played every week to, to prepare for events. And we played hard at 40K events. And we did quite well. The story was that the Golden D6, of course, was our friend Dave, Dave Miller, the big man. Am I getting that right? Yes. I have he, never met a man who drank so much and tabled so many people and said yeah. some truly outrageous things in the process. Yeah. The man is truly legendary. But he really did have the Midas touch when it came to dice. I, I'll, I'll take this segue now, though. And uh, I don't know if I've ever told you that. Or I wouldn't have told you this story, but myself and some of David's other friends had to go through his wargaming possessions. Um for his widow, just to, to oh. it, it, it's a difficult thing, but there's a lot of memories there, and she wanted to make sure they, they went to the, the different, the right places, and go to members of the community, and you know, obviously there were some things to sell just to to move them on, and um, we sorted out David's dice collection, uh, and I remember all the dice he used to use in our Warhammer Forty Thousand games, so mm-hmm. I thought. They were they were good. I scooped them up, um, hoping that David would want me to have them. And so then the first run out I got was a, a practice game of bolt action, and uh, I used them for one turn, and they were 
dead set, Brad. They were awful. They were the worst dice <laughs> I couldn't imagine. And our friend, the, the guy I was playing with, Ant Purdy, another good friend of David's from, from Scotland, I just looked over and was like, this is a joke. Even in death, his dice haven't betrayed him. So I scooped them up, threw them back in the bag, and I pulled out my own dice. So it's like, got to be joking me, David. Absolutely got to be joking me. Mm-hmm. Well, so yeah, never rolling them again. Well, when he left Melbourne and was heading to Scotland, he hiked the Appalachian Trail. Along that time, I happened to be going back to Boston to visit my parents and to see my family. And um, Dave and I got to talking and I invited him up to come join me. So he flew his stuff up um, because he always sent a box ahead of him to the next stop where he would, you know, have a nice change of clothes and have, you know, rotate the books he's reading and have, you know, so he didn't have to carry everything from stop to stop to stop along the way. Uh, apparently that's a common practice, but he sent his bag up to Boston. So we did all of his laundry and we made sure everything was cool. We went out and bought some new shoes and things like that, but getting to hang out with him in Boston, you know, hitting all the good Irish bars and uh, talking nerd crap for a week, uh, is a very fond memory of mine. And while he was there, he read all of my Battletech novels from the 80s, and that is a hell of a collection. And yeah, man, I I do miss the man. Um, although you have spent way more time with him. Uh, but talk about a guy who just saw the world in 3D chess while the rest of us are still playing checkers. Yeah. Uh, the man was a legend. He would have done well at the Megatron Cup weekend. He would have definitely oh. been been one of the players to do both. But Celavi, mm -hmm. sadly, but his uh, you know, his legacy will live on in different different corners of the world. Thankfully, that's it. I have a question for you. Yes, now we've talked about the bolt action side of things. Let's talk about the Megatron Mega Bowl. Since you did throw bolt action players for a loop with the listing for this event, were there any interesting loops for the Blood Bowl side, or was this more of a straightforward come play some Blood Bowl? I needed the first Blood Bowl event to be something that all the players locally could understand. So I wanted to, and, and it's quite a common thing to do for Blood Bowl. I just ripped a player pack from another event. But I took it from the World Cup that's happening this year in Alicante in Spain. And what that does, and it's a really common thing for Blood Bowl events to do, I think, especially for World Cup years, there's actually statistics gathered by um, the NAF Association to compile the how well different different races do based upon the World Cup player pack that's played globally. And I think there's like there's several hundred events have ran the, the World Cup player pack. So there, there's, there are thousands of games um, being tracked. And I'm sure like the, the Dark Elves have won 546 out of, you know, however many thousands. Yeah. Um, so to, to make sure it was accessible to the local community, I decided just, look, I'm going to take something off the shelf something that's been thought through, tested, um, and already has support in the community. So it was the Alicante 2023 World Cup pack. It's it's not something that you need to get into on your podcast to break it down, but it, it breaks down all the races into different tiers. 
Um, you know, so you'll find like dark elves and wood elves are in tier one. Then when you go down to sort of the lower tiers, tier four, snotlings, ogres, you know, all the stunty teams that that <coughs> aren't expected to do well. And then there are the different skill packages mm-hmm. that you can plug in. So if you're a tier one team, you can elect to take six uh, primary skills and put one on each one on one on each player. You can't stack your skills, and then you just get on with it. Um, there's other skill packages where I know that tier one teams, they can sacrifice all the extra skills and they can spend money and get a star player, uh, to come in. So, um, it's, it's good in that sense. And it also took a bit of the workload off of myself and the team that I had, um, because I knew, I hoped that blood, that that bolt action was going to absorb a lot of my time, which it did. That was my next question. How, yeah. I mean, having run the Megatron format and having to check those lists and stay on top of all that math, and you had twice the players that I had for mine. Yep. I can't yep. imagine then having an, a, something that you had to put even a fraction of that brain power into for another game system on the same weekend. Yep. Well, what I can say though about the Mega Bowl, and there's a, it's new to me, but it's it's definitely not new to the community. But it's a, a tourplay.net, and it's a, I mean it's a web based it's a it's a web based system for for Blood Bowl, in that you can run your local leagues off it, you can run events off of it. People can log in. You have to generate your own logins, but you can log in, uh, sign up to the event, and you create your team rosters within Tourplay. And because they're creating it within tour play, within your event, they can't break it because you already have your criteria set in there. So once you select, you know, okay, I'm going to go Chaos Dwarfs. I, okay, so that classified as a tier one team. Okay, so that I can pick these skill packages. Okay, I'll pick skill package one, six normal skills, and then it won't let you do anything funky. So when it came time to check in rosters, it was really just making sure that everybody had uploaded their roster, casting an eye over it, and then mm-hmm. tick done. And that was that was all down to tourplay.net. And even more so, because we were using the Alicante World Cup pack, we could pluck that off the shelf, plug it into the Megatron Mega Bowl, and that was it done. Somebody else had already uploaded the, the player pack. That's awesome. And it really was awesome, Brad. If you've never heard of it, it gets even better. So you do the draw through tour play and it spits the draw out to everybody's smartphones um, because you have to have a login to do it. They get assigned their table. They go to their table. They put their models down. They look at their opponent's rosters. Yep, okay, there's your roster. You can ask questions. Um, and then as the game progresses, when you score a touchdown, you enter it live into tour play as it happens casualties yep somebody died enter it live into tour play so people watching on they can see the live game um for the entire event you know they can see what they can see what the weather is they can see who everybody's rosters they can see who's died they can see the casualties they can see who scored touchdowns Uh, then that links through to the live um standings table Mm-hmm. So you can see as it is. And when your game ends, both you and your opponent click game end. 
finishes the game, uploads it into Tour Play, uh, so that live result's locked in and finished. And then once everybody's done that, you just go to your laptop, do a quick look down, and then go end round, generate next draw, poof, no data entry. <laughs> I would kill for something like that in bolt action. It oh. was amazing. Now, this is so this all happened on the Sunday, and I had I had help doing this. My friend Ant Purdy was there. He did some of the, the big heavy lifting to make Blood Bowl happen. Um, but we we were a team. But what that meant was, and this is this is where the community really comes through, and this is a really a really touching story. Um I I was acting as the spare man for Blood Bowl. And the TO for Blood Bowl. Um, so before before going, you know, I, you know, on the Saturday I packed a bolt action army just in case. But I had a spare player. I had a backup guy uh, called James Wiggins with me. So I was that was an even backup to a backup. But on the Sunday, uh, I packed a Blood Bowl team and I packed David Miller, our friend who we've we've mentioned now. Um, I packed his dwarf team. I used my own dice. I took my own dice because his would just betray me. Yeah, exactly. Um, and everybody or a lot of the community knew that this was my first this is my first live bolt action event since 2019 when I went to the World Cup with David to Austria and I think a lot of the community knew that I, I, I really wanted to play and you know even it was an event with 44 players that, that is it's, those are a lot of numbers but with tour play all the admin is virtually gone um, yeah. so you don't have to check things uh, so a lot, of, a lot of that takes a lot of the workload so it was viable for me to play um, and another great thing about Blood Bowl players they know the rules yeah. there's no you know I, I, neither myself nor Ant had to make any sort of rules call over the three rounds for the entire day because Blood Bowl players they know the rules and um, and I'm happy for that so it was viable for me to play but Obviously, we didn't know how the final numbers were going to shake out, if there's going to be dropouts, etc., etc. Two separate players, a gentleman by the name of Martin Moffat and the guy, Mark, who I joked about, but Mark, Mark McNaughton. Both players offered to step back from the event to let me play, knowing how much... I wanted to play, and I, I, I'm pretty sure they knew what it would mean to me to play on that day. Yeah. Um, and as, look, as it turned out, it, 43 players turned up on the day, so I needed to step in as the spare player. So everybody got to play, which I am more than thankful for. And uh, you know, I've I've been playing Blood Bowl on Fumble online, so I wasn't completely rusty at it. But it was the first time I'd sat down at a tabletop with a dice cup and dice since. Uh, October 2019 and it was brilliant man that was an eternity ago <laughs> I know was... I know oh. uh, I'm glad that you had that chance man because you know playing playing the games that we love particularly in those moments where you know we're we're with the community and you having stepped forward to create this event it's awesome yeah. man but awesome. I, I have to thank the creators of tourplay.net. You guys are absolute wizards, absolute sorcery, and it it works really well. And there was another local player who has um, become a very strong lead in the Scottish community, a gentleman by the name of Chris Rafferty. 
and I messaged Chris because I know that he's ran some big events and he he's actually run um an event big enough in Scotland that it qualifies for being a, a national event for the following year. It's it's a big thing with the NAF association. There's extra points. It, it, sorry, a major. It qualifies as a major event, which is an enormous thing for Scotland. You have to you had to have had an event that gets fifty or more players, but also have a certain number of players registered with the NAF Association in the area. So it's not just mm-hmm. can you put a big event on, but is there a culture of it within your community? But I messaged Chris Rafferty about tourplay.net because I'd never run it before. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, look, mate, what happens if tourplay craps out? What happens yeah. if the system You got asked. You know, yeah. yeah. What happens if the gremlins get in? What's your backup? And Chris makes back like, oh, Actually, I've never really had a backup. That's a good quit. That's a good point, mate. And it's like, what's your backup? He's like, there was no backup. And you know what? I took it on faith that Chris was a very experienced TO and asked the question of a few other folk. And they're like, nah, it's never crapped out. Just go with it. I'm like, okay. But I had a pen and paper handy just in case. But Just in case, exactly. Yeah, just in case. But that, in- that was Blood Bowl. So... 44 players, three rounds, uh, just over two and a half hours, sorry, two and a half hours per round, so plenty of time, and um, using the Alicante World Cup back rules. So there were a lot of dwarfs. I think everybody's a bit upset there were lots of dwarfs. That's not normal in bowl, sorry, in uh, Blood Bowl, from what I understand. It isn't, and especially with the player pack, I think a little bit before the, I think I mentioned the statistics had come out from events that had used the the World Cup pack, and Dark Elves were like the the optimal race. And I'm sure out of the 44 players, there was only like one or two Dark Elves running about, but there were seven Dwarfs running about. It's it's nuts. But again, another great thing about tourplay.net is that once all the races are uploaded, you can release the you can release the rosters for review by the players, but it also gives you the, the breakdown of races. So you can see at a glance, you know, how many Lizardmen, Norse, Skaven, Dark Elves, Dwarves, Chaos Dwarves, etc., etc. So, yeah. That's awesome. Really good. Man. Love it. Love it. So I have to ask, what teams came out on top? Snotlings. Snotlings <laughs> won. <laughs> it was wild. I was not um, expecting you to say that. No man, that was crazy. Like the, there was some really good, there's some really good um, skill packs within there. So the Stotlings had a bunch of skills, a bunch of star players. Um, yeah, it was absolutely phenomenal. I better just double check that. I'm sure it was Stotlings. That's hilarious. Um, fire another question at me while we're going, but. <laughs> oh. Well, were there any? Uh, I mean, clearly that's a memorable uh, <laughs> team. Yeah. Um, were there any teams that jumped out at you that you just said either the paint jobs or the theming behind it? Or, I mean, Blood Bowl is such an interesting and rich community. The things that people come up with is um, just are always amazing. Was there anything yeah. that really stuck with you or just a team that really did something on the tabletop that, you know, blew everyone's mind? There was, and I have, I'm going to apologize to him now, Callum Morrison. Now he, I, I played him in round two. Cam's going to hate me for telling this story on another social media channel, but sorry, I have to. So he went. So I was dwarfs. I picked a standard skill package, nothing fancy. Um, you know, took a couple of guard, 
yeah, bunch of guard, bunch of mighty blow on the troll slayers. You know, took an apothecary, three rerolls, didn't take a death roller or anything fancy like that. I was standard dwarfs. Callum, his naff name is Shrike. That's his mine, and I am Golden Eye on the naff as my blood bowl um, pseudo name. Uh, so I, I saw straight off that he had a dwarf team. It's like I got a draw in my first round. So did he. So I was like, okay, he's a dwarf off. Great, here we go. Mm-hmm. And um, but then I saw the roster. And I was like, uh oh, he had Griff um, Griff Overwald as his mm-hmm. as his star player, and no other skills. It's like, okay, mate, right, Griff. Now you know, Blood Bowl players know Griff is an absolute demon on the pitch. He's just yeah. got high movement, he's got all the skills, um, you know, sprint, sure feet, block, dodge, he's just, you know, good agility, good strength, you're like, so I received, I received the ball, sorry, oh, another thing, you're going to get tourplay.net, tourplay.net does the roll for weather for you as well, so it actually Mm -hmm. takes a dice roll out out of your game for you, and I didn't know that. And uh, and it was and it was Callum that pointed it out to me and it's like he's like oh look we got um we got a blizzard I'm like oh that doesn't matter we're dwarfs who cares about the weather yeah um we're not gonna do anything crazy so I received the ball and my little runner you know shuffled over picked up the ball I was like yep great got the ball I threw a bunch of blocks knocked a couple of players over and then it's like okay your turn and then he went bish bash cleared my line of scrimmage and then Griff. Just started screaming down the pitch like a missile right at my runner. I was like, oh, oh no, this is mm-hmm. not going to end well. Because he used the skills and it was like, oh, right, it's Griff time. And then he's, um, you know, does a, it's, it's called a rush now, but it used to be called a go for it. So, you know, you could use your movement and you go for it, roll the dice, mm-hmm. need a two plus. Okay. Um, go for it again. Okay. If you've got sprint, you get to go for it three times, which is part of the skill. Um, so he passed the first two. Then he rolled a one for the, the, the last one, but he's got sure feet. So that's a yeah. re-roll. Then he rolled a two, and it's like, okay. Then it's like, Cal, I'm actually sorry, mate. It's a blizzard. What? I'm like, yeah, it's a blizzard, remember? Uh, you go for it. You need a three plus. A two will fail. And he's like, oh, no. So Griff stacked it on turn one. And I scooped up, I scooped up the dice, rattle, 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 nailed them, shoot them down. Came out the dice cup. I broke through his armor. It's like, oh, oh, oh. Scooped up the dice again, nailed it down, pulled it back, double sixes. Griff's dead. Oh, Griff died. Griff died a hideously painful, painful death on turn one. Oh, your was... opponent must have loved that. He was took it well, but I I couldn't hold it back. Our, my arms truly went up flying, and I screamed at the top of my lungs um, about Griff dying. And look, it, I apologized if it was unsportsmanlike behavior, but it was genuine enthusiasm for Blood Bowl. Yes. Um, Blood, Blood Bowl is a mean, mean game. It, it is a mean game. Yep. But there, in my mind, there is nothing more Blood Bowl than being able to successfully clear your opponent's you know line to get through it. Have your star player run all the way down, pass yep. all your tests till the last one, then stack it. That yep, is literally it. Blood Bowl to me. Every time I play Blood Bowl, something like that happens, and I'm like, "Wait, why did my guy fall down? Like, what? <sighs> why?" It's a but game it's... you can't take that seriously. 
because the dice will screw you over yeah. when you least want it and definitely expect it. Yeah, stacked it and died. But it was good to be back in it was good to be back in the Scottish community again. And it was really encouraging that we got um, such high numbers for the for the first event for, for Blood Bowl. So it was Hell good. Yeah. I hope that I hope that it's established itself within within the community. And so just to sort of play off the the question you had about the player pack, I do have a vision for next year that I need to fulfill. And I need to work with the community to get ideas about about developing a player pack that can sit alongside in the same sort of spirit of the game of gaming that the Megatron three thousand bolt mm-hmm. action pack does. And I need to work out how to do that. I need to work out how to do it. I also need to work out if it's worth doing it, if the community actually want it. Yeah. Well, it sounds like people were already kind of in the spirit anyway, given that you had seven dwarf players and a snotling player one. Yeah, madness. Right? Love it. Love it. Well, I do want to get to the bolt action because that is my primary joy in life. But let's, um, let's take a quick sec to talk about the Hateful Eight. Yes. So I, I got to know the, the people who competed in that, as you said, came from both sides of the aisle, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Who won? Topher Buckle. Ah, Toph. Yes. Our buddy from the Juggernaut podcast. Yes. So I, the Juggernauts came up for the weekend and mm-hmm. I, I guess I had created an event that, that, that interested them and attracted them up. And um, yeah, so they they played. They they took their teams, and they it was it was so funny watching the juggernauts play blood bowl. <laughs> it's just like they they were as enthusiastic and friendly and fun as they are genuinely are when they play bolt action. But just watching them like scream at single men and roll it was it was it was really good. But Topher Topher finished second overall for in bolt action. That also put him first overall against the other seven players for the Megatron Cup. And mm-hmm. on the Blood Bowl day, he finished 24th out of 44. But he was still first of all the Megatron Cup players. Mm-hmm. So he got maximum points on both days. I know I know that the Blood Bowl players that crossed over into bowl action, they just had a bad Sunday. They had a bad day of Blood Bowl. Some of them ran across some really, really tough opponents. Some of them had some really unlucky dice, but it, it was it was really good to to watch. Um, it was really good to watch both events, and that and that there were players interested in doing both. It was really good. That's awesome, man. Well, let's talk bolt action now. Just almost the same question that I asked you for Blood Bowl. What were some of the things that were standouts? Because with a format like Megatron, you can see some really fun armies that either you may not normally see because they would be considered, you know, maybe not the quote unquote meta or, you know, peep. It really does make people go back to the drawing board and they have to come up with something new. And in doing so, they come up with some really creative, interesting armies. Um, what were some cool things that you saw? Because I know you saw some stuff, especially with 46 lists. Yeah. Cool stuff. There this year there was a, a big embracement of Italy. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure they had three Italian lists. Uh, they were stemming out of the Western Desert book. 
Mm-hmm. But it meant that people were in, people weren't put off by taking them because they saw them as a good viable option, and also as a good hobby option. Because I think if we remember between last year and this year, there's actually been quite a good release of Italian miniatures. Um, yeah. So that's that's opened up the door for people to to expand into that that nation. Mm-hmm. That was good to see. Now we never had any new campaign books come out in between the two events, but people really dug in more to I think the three D Day books. So we mm-hmm. saw um, a U.S. armored rifle company. So that's when they they all have to be zipped up in half tracks, mm-hmm. but they get a few they get a few special rules. I'm sure it's the for every unit of infantry zipped up in a half track, you can take a bazooka team. I mean, you still have to pay the points, but you get another bazooka team option. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really good. There's there was a US. It was a tank platoon, but they could. It was like a scout tank platoon. So it was the uh, greyhounds. There was just greyhounds running everywhere. Love it. And you never see a greyhound on the on the on the tabletop at a regular event. Um, I'm sure there was like five running about on in the Megatron uh, 3000. I was going to say, hey, I run a, gl- a Greyhound all the time, buddy. I'm just saying. Yeah, good luck for that. Um, <laughs> fun to you. Love um, them, man. They're awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, but one, <laughs> of the th- one of the things that the Megatron 3000 has delivered again is that it's what you don't see. Yeah. You don't see the M3 early war DACA Stuart thing everywhere. I think I got corrected recently. I think there might have been one, one out of 46 lists, and it was just one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can confidently say there was not a Gurkha paratrooper in sight. They just weren't. And you know what? I don't even think there was a Gurkha haunting any of the tables. They just weren't there. Um, so when those combos disappear, everything else gets some enjoyment. Uh, look, there were flamethrowers there, there were multi launchers there, but they weren't in great numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and if and if they were, if they were, they always ended up in a list that had low dice, a low dice count. You know, the winning list, the winning list was a Soviet list from Stalingrad, and it was the mechanized armored company, and it was twelve order dice. The player had three T thirty four seventy sixes, so just the medium anti tank mm-hmm. gun versions. Uh, he had two Katushas, a unit of tank riders, um, a consomolite with some guys in it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but that that Soviet list it doesn't get the free unit, so there's no no free infantry unit or no free tank. Oh, that's right. Um, you know, so it, and it was twelve order dice. I, I, I didn't think it could win, but it did, which is the great thing about the event. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I will be honest in the saying that there was a, a lot more players leaning into armored companies this year. Again, though, only one true armored company finished first. Second place, second place was an armored company as well, but that was Topher Buckle with his um, Western Desert. Um, 1942 British Brigade. So we had three Shermans, like Love. three three early war Shermans with weak sides and thin hulls, and mm-hmm. so it wasn't it wasn't like they were tooled up tanks. Um, third place was Dan Lane, and he had the 
uh, American Market Garden parachute parachute troop. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was against the curve. He had no tanks. He had no armor. Um, I think he only had one armored jeep. That was that was the entirety of his mechanized force. So he was a completely on foot trooping force, and he finished third. That's awesome. Um, so yeah. you know that the, the, there's there's still there is still no right or wrong uh, theater selector in this format that that wins you out every time. Yeah, there is also still no singular theater book that you can pick up and go, "This is it. This is mm-hmm. this is the holy grail. This is the ark of the covenant. I'm going to open this up and the demons will fly out and I'm going to wipe you off the face of the earth." That book doesn't exist because. The top five players all came from five different books. Yeah, man, that's nice to hear. That's really yep. nice to hear. Yep, and I know that that mechanized guard company selector that finished first, it was there last year, and it finished mid table. That was nowhere. Um, so yeah, there's no there's no magic formula. It's it's down to the players. Now you did say that you opened lists up way early, ten months yep. early. For the second one. And I remember at the time thinking, wow, that's early. But did you have players who are painting up new armies for this event and who were doing the legwork way early, like you gave them the opportunity to do? Or was were gamers gamers and did they wait till a month before and start smashing something out? No, I I am convinced that you know that when I opened up the tickets for sale in October. <clears throat> the previous year, I sold twenty tickets in the first twenty-four hours. Um, you know, so that got it grounded and established. Uh, all those new players that transferred from Blood Bowl to Bolt Action, they scooped up new models, painted new armies. Um, yeah, new new armies were painted for I think the majority, um, the majority of 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 the player base, and I'll do the same again for them this year. Yeah. Nice. Now I have to ask, were there any armies that really jumped out at you because they, I don't know, they, they were just outrageously beautiful or they did something that you just hadn't seen before. I know we've kind of talked about some of the, the armies that won, but were there some truly outrageous things that you might, you know, people listening to this podcast who play bolt action might go, wait, what, what was in that army? How does that work? It's a good one. I mean, common value. I know that there was there was a guy that had a Humber um, armored car, so it's wheeled. It was a British list wheeled armor eight plus. He was doing tank charges with it all day. Yes, I mean that's what a Humber does, right? I mean that's what Dave of War taught me. That's all they're there for is to tank shock you into next week, like Pumas. Yep, Um, but cheaper. Mm. So yeah, he was he was doing that. You know, there's there's no magic formula, as I've said. What there was, though, there were lots of good. His, uh, I'll use the words historical and themed army mm-hmm. lists, and that was because they were driven to do it because of the theater selectors. You know, so you were you were watching lists turn up with, and I know it's there were medium machine gun teams there. They were they were historical. Everything felt like it should be there correctly. You know, you look at you look at the so okay, look at the Soviet list that won. 
there were three T7476s. I don't know how many tens of thousands of those things were actually built. Same with the second place list. But early war Shermans, yes, tens of thousands of those actually were in the war. Yeah. Then you, you drop down to, to, to third place. Okay, parachute guys, no tanks, no support. But they did have anti-tank guns that they could drag along and howitzers mm. that they could drag along. Great. That, that's what they had. Um, you know, fourth place had two veteran, oh, two veteran American Shermans. Great stuff. Mm -hmm. Backed up by uh, Rangers. Rangers lead the way. Worked in synergy. Great, great. Love it. Love it to see it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Happy man. It's really, Happy it's really forward. nice to see variety in army lists. And I mean, just going off of some of the names that you've mentioned and some of the faces I saw on in some of the photographs, I mean, you had some high skill players playing, as you say, you know, historically themed events or yep. sorry, armies in this event. So you had, uh, you know, you had the variety, you had the skill, man, this must've been a great event to watch. I was, I hated them all. I was so envious at how much fun <laughs> they were all having, just going around and getting to absorb their stories and watching their tactics I I I hated them all for having such a good time. I'm glad they did, but I was I was gutted. I I can never I can never play at this event because it's too much to run. Um, you know, I enjoy enjoy sitting in the the tournament organizer seat, but it was great. Only the players can contradict me, but nobody complained about an army list that they faced. Yeah, that's huge, man. I think. The only thing, the only big complaints I heard were sectors was one of the missions and prep bombardment. It hurt a few folk, but mm -hmm. I was playing rules straight from the rule book, not given any, you know, favors or anything like that. So, you know, it's it, prep bombardment's been there for a long, 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 long time. Um, so that's mm -hmm. just not my fault. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. In this case, don't hate the TL, hate the game. Yeah, hate the mission. Um, and and as well in that the community rallied around to provide scenery tables um, for the event. So you know, having to to come up with twenty three tables worth of scenery. Uh, Common ground games. Our host supplied two. I supplied one. The community. I wanted the community to to bring their best, uh, mm -hmm. and I had a, a special raffle um, with some of the prizes from the sponsors that that we'll mention. Um, and and they did so. I I thought all the tables looked fantastic, and and it was lovely to post all the pictures of the scenery onto social media. And then I, if the comments were there, I missed them. But nobody commented to say that table looks bad or that table could be other. You know. Yeah. Nobody nobody bothered. And then I thought for a moment, it's like, am I that guy? Am I that guy that does that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe not, maybe not. Let's talk about some of the sponsors, brother, because mm -hmm. you did have an epic number of sponsors. As you say, to have that top tier, that, that gold standard of prize support, you're not going to get that from one place. And unless you have, you're charging 40 K dollars for an event, you're not going to get prizes for everyone off of the money that players pay into play no so clearly you were supported by not only the community but by the companies that the community buys from yes 
Yes, and first and foremost is, is Warlord Games themselves. So we qualified as a Tier 3 event based upon the, the play numbers that we had, so it was quite a fat uh, prize support package they were able to send us, which included the, the Golden Order dice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Highly sought after item. Um, mm-hmm. Plus the little nipple trophies. And I, and I cannot thank Marcus Fine and the team enough um, for sending that over to me. Rubicon, uh, you just have to say the name, and you know instantly the, the quality of the miniatures they produce, both oh, for yeah. World War II and all their Vietnam stuff that's coming out. Just right? Oh, Madness. Absolute Dude, I madness. just bought the Huey. It is, is it good? amazing. It, is, good? it is, so good. is so good. I haven't put it together yet because I have a few projects to finish first. Yep. But I opened it and just went, oh, this looks nice. Oh, this looks oh, really, really nice. So I'm going to paint one of those up for terrain for a table uh, and uh, maybe even to play with the damn thing because it looks so sweet. Like, oh, we feel like the happies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've also got um, foot sore miniatures. They mm-hmm. do. Uh, quite a few of the sort of medieval style historical games mm-hmm. um, but they supplied us with a good range of miniatures they also supplied us with um, a big minotaur model for Blood Bowl as well so they, they supported both days big fans thank you so much awesome. for that dude awesome. Andy Hobday what a great dude right yeah just love it absolutely love love the, the, the encouragement I got from them um osprey books now they are obviously the publishers of all of warlord games um printed product mm-hmm. so they sent over <clears throat> a bunch of campaign books and also the korea book um for the players to to pick up off the table so i was really thankful for that any scale miniatures i know you love these guys love love them i literally just got a box from them the other day yep. um, i got some really cool stowage I got an American artillery tractor. I got an Italian truck and I got a couple of other um, of their wrecked trucks for my tables for bolt action events. I adore any scale. They are awesome. Any scale. He's, this is the second year he's supported me and I hope he continues to support me because he's a local, local company to Scotland. So I really hope we um, continues with me on the path. Um, mm-hmm. KO design or co-ed design I can never quite nail it but um, from Sweden mm-hmm. uh, they made us up some dice bags uh, and they also made up a bespoke Blood Bowl dice bag so they supported both days but I love, love I asked, I asked a lot of sponsors if I felt they were applicable if they would support both days um, and co-ed did uh, Game Mat EU you mm-hmm. know another Another great supporter. Second year they've supported us again, uh, and they provided a, a six foot by four foot double sided gaming mat, and that went off in the uh, scenery raffle. So it, it's the big draw card. You know, if you supply a table's worth of scenery, you go into this raffle, and you can win that. Micro Art Studios from Poland. Oh, mm-hmm. mate, have you got some of their stuff yet? Not yet. Um, I have actually, I do have a lot of their stuff, but I don't have any of the new uh terrain that has the photo print on it. Oh man, it is just yeah, it is the gold standard for terrain for me. And if, if, if your audience aren't aware of it, it's it's MDF, 
Mm-hmm. Sounds boring, right? It's all laser cut MDF. There's lots of that in the market. Mm-hmm. But these guys have got the uh, it's not texture, but they've got the printed image of what it is that you're going to build. So, you know, for instance, I um I can see on my table at the moment I've just built this little tin shed and it comes with the colouring of the tin on the outside, but it's all weathered and ruined and damaged. Uh, and then it's got full interior. So on the inside of it, it's got red brick. It's got tire tracks for where the vehicles drive in and out, the big double doors that can all open. And that's just a little shed. You scale that up. I picked up their Normandy church, mm-hmm. which has got multiple layers. The steeple comes off. It's got detailed interior. So when you before you build it, it's got this protective sheet that you rip off the MDF, and then there's just these bright, vivid colors that are just amazing. It also, they also come with um, the clear perspex for putting in the windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the detail just keeps on coming on and coming on and coming on. I had another building from their new Normandy selection, mm-hmm. and it is a three-tiered. Uh, it, it almost looks like a townhouse, but it's got a cafe in the bottom, and it's got that old style, you know, big cafe advertising printed on one side of the wall. But the roof comes off; you can get into the attic. Top floor, middle floor, bottom floor, all come off. And then, if the building is ruined, you can lift off all the floors, and the footprint has got the ruined building on. It's like, come on, guys, that's just that's amazing. So that's that's micro art studio. It's expensive. Not gonna lie, it's an expensive product. Um, that church, I'm sure, cost me like seventy euros. But yeah, but you're paying for quality. Paying for the quality, and the quality is there. Not disappointed. Yeah. So then we had Exit Twenty Three Games. Mm-hmm. They were they're a good online retailer in the UK, and they've got a range of painting products, which are um, I'm told are, are very good. But I haven't had the chance to use them myself. But they supplied a whole bunch of vouchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, then an, an old school name in the the bolt action industry, Die Waffenkammer. Oh yeah. So JTFM Industries, I believe, is the the other subset name they use. But so based in Canada, he sent over. Uh, it was just one tank, but Die Waffenkammer stuff is top quality. Oh yeah. It was uh, elephant, and um, you know I, I love the, I love the packaging. You know, it's always nice and contained in you know the little white box, but it's it had the storage and everything else in it. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure there's a strange thing that on the price table, you know, as we go through, there's there's so much there and there's so much choice that I think it was the player in twenty eighth place that picked that up, and he just mm-hmm. couldn't he couldn't believe it sat there for so long. I think he said he's like my palms were sweating, Ali. I, I could see it, and I knew what it was because <laughs> I'd spotted it. And then, um, you know, it was just this nondescript, lovely white box sat there, yep. just waving. You know, um, so and I'm glad. I'm glad that was. I'm glad it's gone to a home of a player that plays Germany, and it will be well appreciated. Exactly, and yeah, uh, that's one of those things. As you say, high quality models. Mm-hmm. Demonscape. Now I've mentioned them previously. Um, as the producers of our trophies, but he also produced the different dice that we had for the event. Oh, yeah. Um, So there was the gold dice for the the overall winners, Um, but I also had him make up uh, silver um, Autobot dice. 
mm-hmm. to give out to all the players that were playing over both days. And look, and I, and I sneaked a few sets to some of the Blood Bowl players because Blood Bowl players are notorious for just loving collecting dice and yeah. um, their, their little clipped maniacs. But Alba Studios, our next sponsor, they are a 3D printing and commission painting based business from Aberdeen in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they supplied um, a couple of infantry units that were already pre-painted and they supplied a 3D printed um, Falchamiger army that would have been about five or 600 points worth. And mm-hmm. that went that went to the, the best painted um, best painted army. So, so they were big supporters of the event. Again, um, I'm very thankful. Another new sponsor that came on this year is Mardav 3D Printing. They maintain a fantastic uh, Etsy store, and they've got a good range of, of World War II miniatures that they 3D print, and they sent some examples of their products and vouchers as well. So I, I cannot thank Mardav enough, and I have uh, also become a customer of them. I've got a, um, a whole bunch of uh, German motorbikes uh, with sidecars sitting around, and I've got a... Um, I treated myself to a Kugelblitz. Mm-hmm. Never, never had one. Um, going to enjoy using that. Uh, the next event, the sorry, the next sponsor on board was 3D Printing Valley, where mm-hmm. a return sponsor, which I'm very, very thankful for, and they were happy enough to provide some vouchers again this year, and uh, mm-hmm. for their for their Etsy and online um, retail. And I know that from the past, they've got a really good range of. Um, Finnish ski troops um, mm. that I can remember seeing last year. Uh, another good returning sponsor was First Core. I've, I've mentioned them before that they can pack mm-hmm. a, a, a box like the TARDIS that just exploded out with most of the British Expeditionary Force. Another big supporter of the event was Weldon Tabletop Wargaming. They are a online retailer of bolt action and other um, historical war games. And mm-hmm. the, the guy down there he goes to a lot of um, historical reenactment weekends with a, a, a traveling shop. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he really puts in the legwork. War Games Atlantic, I, I cannot thank the team enough. I know they're going through some issues just now with their supply chain, um, but they were able to supply me with three really good boxes, including the German Sentry box, which I know is being used yeah. a lot for um, 0200 hours at the moment. Mm-hmm. Those are great models. I have some of those. Yes, they are great models, Brad. And that that's German Sentry box has got forty miniatures in it. It's I don't know how they packed it in. It's it's crazy. Another returning sponsor, but I think in a different sense is Ammo by Mig Jimenez. Mm. Uh, you know they're they're the top of the range for doing um, scale model painting and weathering. But they were kind enough to supply a voucher for best painted for bolt action and also best painted for blood bowl which i thought was really generous um, cool. especially when blood bowl is not something that you'd always associate with them um, with ammo but they mm-hmm. you know they obviously do ranges of miniature paints that, that cover everything so and and the last one was a bit of a wild card a newer sponsor called Wayland yutani terrains and you know nice. they were they were straight up and said look we mostly supply supply 40k you know that new trend of Warhammer 40,000 where everything's just sort of like a weird L-shaped square building everywhere and there's five of them on the table and it's like really blah, yes. blah, 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 blah. Yes. 
Um, so they they supplied a series of vouchers for us um, because they do gaming mats as well. I think that is the complete list of 18 sponsors that the Megatron 3000 had. And I cannot thank them all enough for for contributing. Al, as always, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on to hear about these, I mean, these events. I mean, last year, obviously, I'm a big enough fan that I ran this myself, but it is wonderful to have to hear the success of the second year of the Megatron format running. And now that it's the Megatron Cup, it, I think it can only get bigger and better from here. Yeah. And uh, folks, if you have questions about this event, please do reach out to Al and ask. Um, go to Facebook and check out the pictures. There are so many great pictures from this event. These are special events. If you are in the UK or near the UK, 100% recommend you go check them out. I mean, folks were traveling up from England and from all over the place. I'm just jealous that I live in Australia and it's literally the opposite side of the, of the planet. But, oh man, Al, congratulations on running another amazing event. Thank you. The quick goal for next year, though, maintain the bolt action numbers where they are. So I want to sell out again at 46. Mm -hmm. The Blood Bowl side of things, I would like to get the player numbers up to 60 because the venue can hold hold that quite happily and i would love to see the number 16 that that's the goal sorry i would love to see the i would love to see the blood bowl numbers go up to 60 because mm -hmm. i know the venue can can hold the capacity i would love to see the number of players that do both days go from 8 to 16 so mm -hmm. double the numbers of that are, that are competing for the megatron cup um, and then, as I said before, maintain the bolt action numbers as a sellout at 46. That's, that is my vision for next year. Yeah, that is, a, that is both, uh, attainable and I think just, um, man, I got to figure out a way to get to the UK for that. Would love to be one of those people. I would love you to be one of those people too. Oh, well, Al, thank you so much for joining us, brother. And um, I look forward to hopefully having you on again soon, maybe to talk listing or talk some other uh, game system or, uh, you know, just gaming in general. Always a pleasure to talk to you. We do threaten talking Babylon 5 spaceship fighting one of these days. We, we really do need to do that. Yep, I hope to be back on another time soon with you, Brad. And uh, thank you, as always, for having me here. No worries. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. And uh, if you have any feedback for the show, as always, please do go to uh, Cast Dice on Facebook, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. If you message the page, you're guaranteed a response by me. Hi, my name is Brad. Uh, and Facebook has told me recently that I have a 100% uh, response rate and uh, I... I, I suppose I, I do, uh, but I do promise that I always respond to everything that you guys send. And thank you to all the people who have been reaching out recently just to say, hey, and to come up with some suggestions for future episodes. I do really appreciate it, especially those people who are suggesting cool ideas for the Warlord cast. Um, we do have more episodes of that coming up. In fact, we just dropped one recently. Uh, look for more of those on this network soon. But I think that takes us to what our buddy Casey always says. When you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope that your dice roll hot. 
I hope that your beverages are cold. But more than that, we at Cast Ice hope that you are having fun. Stay safe out there, guys. Good night. Are gone and they're trapped.